Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand as our campuses join us in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. I want to give a shout out to our uh, Appleton campus this morning, continuing to grow. Nine babies born <laughs> and one adopted in the last, last year. But we just had a latest birth. Ryan and Emily Chart uh, had Eli Chart and Leland and Anita Barlett. Barlament, Barlament, I don't know how to say your names, kill your names, had a little boy, get this, they named him Lathan, <laughs> Barlament. Now, when you're going to name your kid, you don't go for one of the associate pastors. <laughs> Start at the top, right? <laughs> God bless. Another Lathan. Praise the Lord. By the way, keep a Lathan in your prayers. Just got back from Africa, having some heart troubles again, so they're working on him today, so just pray for him. Uh, you know, the older you get, you know, I'm in that group now. It's like duct tape. <laughs> Hold us together. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, we uh, just got back from our uh, trip out uh, west, our missions outreach to Sturgis. Jimmy Bratcher goes out there uh, every year. Uh, I don't always join him, but when I'm able to, I was able to this last year, uh, this last week, and we went out there, and uh, it's Sturgis, South Dakota, motorcycle rally. It's like a block and a half from the gates of hell. And, uh, and, and these, these people, they, it's just a week of debauchery and, uh, and just partying and inappropriate everything that you can imagine. So why do you go? We go there to shine the love of Jesus in a very dark place. That's why we go. And I, I know it messes with some people, not a whole lot of ours, even some of our people, but online, you know, I got 150,000 people on Facebook. And you know, why you shouldn't be going there? Why are you going there? You know, Jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And that's why Jesus intentionally went and spent time with people. Jesus really ticked people off. The religious people of his day just had a fit because he spent time with what they called sinners. 
Now, these weren't your run-of-the-mill sinners. These were prostitutes, liars, cheaters, these tax collectors that had traitored out their own country. I mean, nobody liked these people. And these were the people Jesus went out of his time to talk to and go to their homes and minister to. So that's why we do it. You know, it's, it's a great opportunity. You know, Jimmy, as you know, is, is a, a fabulous blues guitarist. Uh, he's got his blues band, and I went out there and sat in with him. Uh, and he'd play a couple of blues songs, and then he'd sing a gospel song. You know, and there's like a few more blues songs and stuff. And these people are listening to this, and, and he's just sharing uh, who he is and stuff. And then what's really neat about it, he, because he gets them hooked, and then he has free CDs. It's the only band at Sturgis that gives away free CDs. People come and grab the CD because on the CD are not only his songs, but then he tells his story of how he had asked Christ in his life and what Jesus did for him. And then he's got a special prayer for these bikers on this thing. And uh, it gives away thousands of these things, just planting seeds everywhere. Even while we were still there, he's getting emails from people who'd gotten the CD. He said, wow, man, that was amazing and stuff. So that's, that's what we're doing. It's odd. This is not Bible class. All right, and it's not like they were just reading the Bible. We're just trying to relate uh, to them. Jimmy's been trying to get onto the very big stage at Sturgis out at what's called the Buffalo Chip, where all the A-line uh, acts are. And he has just worked it and worked it and been nice to these people and winning their hearts, the owners and stuff. And finally this year, they booked him the first night, one of the top three acts opening for Willie Nelson and stuff. So it was really, really neat and uh, people say, well, did you get a chance to meet Willie? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, but just before Willie shows up, all these hell's angels show up. And these are some big boys. And they got some attitude, you know what I'm saying? I felt like I was walking amongst the giants, you know. And, uh, and they get around, and there's everybody stand back, everybody stand back, you know. And, you know, Willie's bus door opens, and clouds and plumes of smoke roll. <laughs> Roll out, you know, and he's like, I don't know if you met him, he'd even know you met him at this point, but I, 83 years old, stoned out of his mind, still singing, and it was horrible, but everybody loved to see him. Uh, so, uh, anyway, it, it was great, and, uh, and thank you for supporting this. This is just one of the many things that we support in this church through our missions giving, outreach giving. And the more we can raise, the more we're going to do, uh, not just only in this country, but... Uh, uh, in other countries and stuff. We just want to be a blessing in the earth and minister and be able to give to people who can't do much oftentimes uh, for themselves. So, uh, you know, anyway, it's, it's all good. You know, you want, you, we just want to be open to letting people come in and hear about Jesus, right? Sometimes people get a little jiggity because people start coming into our campuses and they don't look like normal church people. Well, that's okay. You know, we don't care how you dress in this place. Look around you. You know, uh, we don't care. We don't care. We honestly don't. Sometimes some ladies, it's, uh, they, uh, some of these women are coming, they look inappropriate. So what? You know, they're coming to hear about Jesus. Well, I don't like my husband. Look at him. Well, that's what, why God gave you an elbow. <laughs> just, you know, just praise God. Hallelujah. You know, just, you know, because they're, yeah, they're, amen, praise God, you know. Because a lot of people, they, they don't know, you know, we live in a very immodest culture, and we want people to come here, you know? Man, I don't care if people just come right out of the bars stumbling in here. Praise the Lord. They need to come into a place that they can feel accepted. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. So, it's all good. What else am I supposed to be doing? 
Oh, the missions update. So we're going to take a look at our, our missions giving. Today's mission Sundays. We're going to be taking a special offering at the end of the service. $112,000 so far this year. Praise the Lord. Let's get that thing up over two hundred. We should hit $250,000 this year. Let's really just do as much as we can. That means when we have the second offering, give a little extra. So it stings a bit. So it's like, ow, ow. If you give and you don't feel nothing, you ain't giving. You know, tipping $2 at a waitress kind of thing. I'm, you know, just give something. You know, you'll be fine. You won't die. Anyway. We want to give and continue to bless people. Our Go Beyond campaign has almost reached its goal. <laughs> We're just shy. There's people still giving you that. If you can give to that and help us reach that goal, uh, we would appreciate it. God bless all of you. This morning, we have one of my best friends in the world with us, uh, the bishop from South Africa, Gary Rivas, is with us this morning. One of my best friends in the world. And a uh, really short trip here, you rat two days in and out. But anyway, he's coming, and uh, uh, we're actually, we're taking him salmon fishing on the Great Lake this afternoon. Yeah. One of the brothers in the church here has a, a salmon thing. We're going to go out there and... Uh... <laughs> See how his stomach holds up. <laughs> anyway, should be fun. Praise God. Uh, we're talking to... Uh, one of the ladies in church last night, she says, oh, you know, salmon is really good. She really likes salmon, but it can be a little expensive. Oh, you have no idea how expensive this salmon will be. <laughs> Especially if you only catch one. You know, it will be the most expensive salmon you ever had in your life. Hopefully we get a whole bunch, but who knows? That's up to the Lord. Anyway, so uh, that will be great. Anyway, would you give it up to our bishop from South Africa, Gary Rivas? I think I've yeah, I got it on. Mark says that Jesus hangs with sinners. That's why I hang with him. <laughs> um, thank you again for uh, the invitation uh, to be here. I've had a, I know it's only a short trip here, but I've been here for 11 days, 12 days already. I did some work in South Carolina and uh, Chicago and all the rest of it, so uh, I just really appreciate being able to be here, Mark, even though that's for a short time. Unlike him, Mark and Debbie and the grandkids came for three weeks, two weeks, one, three weeks, two weeks, three weeks. Loved having them in our home. Uh, it was a really special time. I know Mark told you the story about him attack, being attacked by a lion in South Africa. Uh, let me tell you my version of the story. <laughs> so we're on this vehicle. And there is a sign that says, do not let anything protrude out the vehicle. Because the way it works in, in Africa, if you've been there before, you'll know if you've gone out to look at game, is that you can basically be in an open vehicle as long as you maintain the shape of the vehicle. In other words, no one stands up or has anything protruding. So you can literally ride past a pride of lions in an open vehicle, like right here, and they won't touch you. Well, most of the time, you never know. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, but um, as long as you don't stand up and break the shape of the vehicle, if you break the shape of the vehicle, they'll pick you up and, well, breakfast. Um, and so Mark has got this lens, and we can't we're basically in a, in a cage on the back of a truck. 
moving along. So you have this experience of looking out of this vehicle to the, at the lions. It's, it's basically meals on wheels for the lions. And um, so we, we're busy going along, and uh, Mark's, they've got places where you can put your camera out. So Mark put his lens out, uh, and he's taking photographs of this pride of lions sort of over there, but there's another pride right at the track. And the minute he puts his lens out, one of the lions picks it up. I mean, you can't believe it. I mean, it's incredible. And the ears go up, and then it slowly but surely got up, and then started to stalk the vehicle, just like as only lions do, literally. It was incredible. And so we all see this going, and this lion coming for Mark, so we all step back. <laughs> Even though we're in this vehicle, we, we all step back because... Well, I don't know, just because, you know, anyway, so we step back. Mark assumes the position, focused. I'm thinking, this guy is a man of steel. <laughs> I mean, he has this line, and when I tell you, I mean, even, it was actually even higher than this, the vehicle off the ground, and when the line stood up on its back legs, it was basically face-to-face -face with Mark, literally. So it came up like this and took a swipe at him. So we're all at the back. Mark is still maintaining the position. <laughs> Even as this line's coming up, I'm like, man, I want to be like Mark one day, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm an African and I'm scared. The guy from Green Bay just facing the lion. Anyway, obviously, Mark, Mark was actually focusing on a lion part over there, so he didn't even see this lion coming at him. <laughs> so when it came at him and basically took a swipe at him and uh, knocked his uh, lens or whatever. He, I mean, he turns around to us and goes, why didn't you warn me? <laughs> he was as cool as anything. So it was, uh, it was a great experience. The scripture I'd like to read from is uh, from Judges chapter 6, 1 to 16. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites, because the power of Midian was so oppressive. The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds, because whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Malachites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts, and it was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hands of the, all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Bezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? We are all his wonders that our, where, 
Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manesh, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now, if you and I are going to make an impact in this world, this one chance that you and I have, and you and I who have chosen to follow Christ and be part of the body of Christ, part of the army of Christ, as soldiers of Christ, well, then we need to be making an impact on our community. But many of us are living the life of Gideon. But change is about to happen. Notice a few things. Notice how God sees you and me as we could be, not as we are. God sees us as we could be, not as we are. The angel's greeting to Gideon in this passage in Judges 6 is one of the most incredible, hopeful scriptures for all of us. Here is a person hiding away from trouble, threshing wheat inside a cave. This guy is so scared. Gideon is like the scariest of all, scaredest of all. He is so fearful for his life because basically every time, imagine this. The Israelites build stuff, they get their cattle out, they grow some vegetables and some stuff to eat and all the rest of it. The Midianites come and they just trash everything. They burn it, they kill all the animals, then they go away, then the Israelites start up all over again and what happens is this, is the Midianites come in again and they destroy everything again. So here is Gideon who is really scared. He's a chicken, what we call it in South Africa. Um, He's a scaredy cat. He's, He's now... Um, making wine and that in a wine press inside a cave. He's so fearful and so scared. He was running away from trouble. He was continuously victimized and he was afraid. Now I know that when you read the scriptures and you hear afraid or scared or fearful, but have you ever been fearful in your life to the point of when you're thinking you're gonna die? Has that ever happened to you before? Like in a moment when you think, literally, this is it. Let me tell you a time in my life. I was, uh, I was uh, in South Africa. I was uh, conscripted to the, to the military, and I spent two years uh, as a paratrooper in the, in the army. And uh, we had an uh, obstacle course. Part of our training was you had to go obstacle, jump up these things, jump down these things, climb up ladders, you know the trip. And uh, the one, the one of the obstacles is that you'd be running along sort of at this level, and then there would be um, there would be sort of a hole in the ground. So you'd like literally you'd like this jump down, and there would be there were three pipes, concrete pipes about that wide, um, next to each other, almost the length of the church. And what you do is this: so you so you'd jump down, then go down on your hands and knees, and then crawl through the pipe, and then get up the other side, back up, and then carry on running. And it was literally, so when I went down on my hands and knees, I, I couldn't even come up just a little bit. I touched the top of the pipe. That's how small the pipe was. So one day we're doing this obstacle course and I'm running and I jumped down, but it had rained for about a week before that. So now the pipe was filled with water. 
So just above the pipe, the sort of the water line was here. So I jumped down, took a deep breath, went down under the water and then started in the dark, underwater, on my hands and knees, in this pipe, going as fast as I could to get out on the other side. I get about halfway and the guy in front of me freezes. Like that is it, panics. So I bump into him, I have no idea until I'm, so I'm busy going along, I bump into him, I then start going back, but the guy behind me doesn't know what's going on, so he's, and there's a guy behind him and a guy behind him. Now we can't talk because we're underwater, it's dark, I can't go up, I can't turn around, and, I'm, and I can't go forward, and I'm thinking, in that moment, I mean even now I'm breaking into a bit of a sweat, <laughs> can you feel it? So I'm like stuck in this thing and I'm literally thinking, this is it. So I did what comes naturally. I bit the guy's butt in front of me so hard. <laughs> I bit him. I mean, it was right there. <laughs> if I'm honest, I grabbed a handful as well. While I, you know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, would you not... Okay, anyway, I may not ask that. Don't answer that question. <laughs> I was so scared. Anyway, I got out, obviously I got out alive, but to be in that place of incredible fear, thinking that death is imminent, but this angel of God comes to Gideon and says to him, God is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, here is Gideon, he de I can tell you now, he was not a mighty warrior. He was a frightened nobody. But his story reminds you and me that God does not see us as we are, but rather as we could be. He sees something in every single one of us. And on top of that, he knows our frailties. He knows everything about us. He remembers that we're made of dust. He remembers that, that we are weak and we've, we've failed before, and we've messed up big time, but yet when he looks at us, he doesn't just see all the things we've done wrong or in the ways that we have messed up, but he sees us as his beloved children with infinite potential to become all he destined us to be. I mean, some of us here today, including me, can literally come before God and deep breathe a deep sigh of relief in knowing that God is not finished with me yet. But that God sees so much more in me than I see in myself or that you and I see in me. Gideon has an incredibly low opinion of himself. All he had ever been told that he was less than. I mean, think about this. He was, less than, he was the least of his tribe and his family. I mean, so imagine that. So, hey man, you must understand God, as Gideon says, my tribe or my culture, you don't understand. Amongst all the cultures, my tribe, my village is the lowest of all of them. I'm like an untouchable. I'm like part of a caste system. And not only that, not only is my, is my tribe or my, my culture low, but you must understand, I'm even lower than that because I'm the lowest in my family. 
But God believes in you and me. Even when we don't believe in ourselves, he can do anything through those who are simply willing to say yes to him. That's all that it takes. You may not feel worthy. You may not feel capable. You may not feel anything that ever that you could be used by God. But if you simply allow him to work in and through you, anything is possible. And in fact, the only reason why this church and every church across the world has not reached its full potential because it's really filled with people that think that they cannot be used by God. It's impossible for God to be used by, by me. I can hardly speak English. It is impossible for God to be used by me because I don't have an education. It's impossible for God to be used by me because of my ridiculous past. It's impossible for God to be used by me because I don't have the resources. And so all that the church does with respect, and I'm not talking about this church only, all that the church does at the moment is come up with excuse after excuse after excuse of reasons why God cannot use them. When in fact God is saying, all I need is a yes. All I need is a yes. I know that you've heard of this before, um, but some of examples of the scripture, Abraham was old, Jacob was insecure, Leah, quite frankly, was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Samson was codependent, Rahab was immoral, David had an affair and all kinds of family issues, oh my word. Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was reluctant, Naomi was a widow, John the Baptist was just crazy and freaked out and eccentric to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered, tempered, Martha worried a lot. So the Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Oh my word, I think she had five marriages. The only thing that would stop me marrying five times is the thought of having five mother-in-laws completely freaks me out. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. With respect to the mother-in-laws here, I have one. Oh my word. <laughs> Times five. Thomas had doubts, Paul had poor health, Timothy was timid. I mean, seriously, these are a bunch of ragamuffin followers of God, but God used every single one of them in his service and he will use you too if you would stop making excuses. You see, the issue is this though. God calls us to a purpose that has to be accomplished his way. You see, we have this battle with God. We say yes to God. And even for those here today, they, they, it resonates what I'm saying to, with you because you see, for, if you've crossed the line of faith and you said yes to God, there was a newness in your spirit. There was the joy of your salvation. You were ready to conquer the world for God. But then somewhere along the line, my agenda and God's agenda intersects. And there's this battle of whose agenda I'm gonna follow in my life. And the big struggle really begins then. But you see, the instruction that Gideon receives from God, go in strength, in the strength that you have and defeat Midian and I will be with you. In other words, the angel tells Gideon to muster all the strength that he's got for God and then God will come to the party with all of his strength and that will make the difference in the end. We have to be willing to bring God what we can offer God even if it doesn't seem like much. 
You see, because we compare. We compare with everyone else in the world. And say, but what, when this person gives what I give, is nothing compared to what that person gives. See, it's not about the size of the gift, it's about the size of the sacrifice. That's really important. And so we think, when it comes to the mission fund, well, what I have to give is really not going to make any difference. Or when it comes to serving somewhere, my talents and gifts, well, you know, I'm not really good in anything. And so we keep on thinking that our bit isn't enough. I want to tell you something that is a lie over your life because God is a multiplier. Go forth, multiply. Fruits, growth, God is, that's part of God's language. He will take what we have to accomplish great things. The difficult thing for Gideon is that God wasn't just calling him to do something outrageous and impossible. He asked him to do it in a totally crazy way. Sometimes, sometimes the church is ineffective because we keep on doing things the same way every time. And we wonder, why aren't we taking the city? Why aren't we taking our communities? Well, maybe some of the things that we do are outgrown and outdated. Maybe some of the things that we do are completely, in today's society, just don't work. So when is the last time we did something crazy as a church? When's the last time we did something that was so bold and courageous as a church? And so we want to, we have the same goals to take the city and to take our community, but we keep on doing the same things year in and year out that are exactly the same, and we still haven't reached the city, or we still haven't taken the community for God. If we keep on doing church the same way our parents did church, and I'm not saying we must do away with tradition, but if we keep on doing the same thing and yet we don't have the results we believe that God is calling us to, maybe we need to do things a bit different. And God calls us not only just to be outrageous and to do the impossible, sometimes he even calls us to do some things that seem totally crazy. I mean, I'm hope that the leaders of this church can come to you as a community one day and they can do something and sell something and, and propose something so outrageous that this whole community goes, they must be absolutely crazy. And if they do, and you say that, then maybe it's something of God. See, the angel tells Gideon that he must go out and fight against the Midianites. The people who have been terrorizing the people for years and years and years has an iron grip on the region. The very same people Gideon had been hiding from just a short moment before. But Gideon gathers all his courage and strength and decides to do what God has asked him to do in courageous obedience. But I can tell you now he didn't see what was coming next. Okay, so here you've got this guy. He's completely scared. He's feared. He's a scaredy cat. He's actually hiding in the cave. He's the lowest of low. He's the lowest in his family of the lowest culture. The scripture says he goes and gathers 30,000 soldiers. Now, I don't care who you are. That is incredible. Just that alone, God uses the lowest of the low of the lowest family in the whole of the Israel commun Israelite community, and that man gathers 30,000 people. 
Come on, people. That is incredible. You see, God saw the warrior in him even before he saw it. So when God saw the warrior in him and he started calling 30,000 people because God saw the warrior in him, the other people saw the warrior in him eventually. Because 30,000 people are not going to follow someone who's the lowest of the low. But then what God does is he, he sifts the army and sends 22,000 of the 30,000 soldiers home. He leaves Gideon with a tiny 10% of his original group. Come on. And yet God says, there are still too many. Can you imagine Gideon's face in that moment? He's like arriving. He's saying, hey God, look behind me, 30,000 men ready to fight. God says, that's fantastic, but send 22,000 of them home. I mean, you're kidding me. And so eventually he sends 22,000 of them home and God says, fantastic, but there are still too many. And so Gideon sends back more of the men and out of 30,000 men, he's left with 300 men. God is almost like in Gideon's face saying, you see, you thought you're the lowest of the low. You thought you have nothing. You thought your gifts, your talents, your resources are nothing, but because you said yes, let me show you what is the potential in your life. Not only will you get 30,000 men, but I'm gonna show you another miracle. You see, this is the thing. This is the thing. If you find that your faith has become boring and irrelevant, you, you know, they say the only difference between a, a grave and a rut is six feet. You know what I'm saying? If you find that you're in a rut and you're actually dead in your faith, you see it's because you have to admit that the last time you did anything that was, that was radically obedient or crazy for God was a time. You, but you see, when you step out, I can tell you now, you're gonna have the most exhilarating life you've ever thought was possible. If you can just get out of that space because you see, Gideon is on a journey with God now. And now he, he must be going, oh my word, imagine what's going to happen with 300 men. I mean, who in their right mind, because this is the issue, too many of us have got a right mind. Who in their right mind goes and fights a battle with such a tiny army? But yet this is what God wants done. He shows Gideon over and over and over again that his purposes must be accomplished his way. And if we will let him in, he will bring victory to us in miraculous ways, just like he did for Gideon. What is it that you need God to do in your life? You see, because then lastly, God sends us out in his power. So even with a tiny army, no training, nothing else, no other factors going for Gideon, God sends him out in his power and might. And Gideon wins a great victory, defeating the Midianites in the most incredible way. So when the angel spoke to Gideon, he didn't give details, because this is the thing, we go, we say, okay, God, we say yes, we, we hear you. Well, then we want a plan from God. So Gideon doesn't wait for the angels and say to the angel, okay, sweet, we've got a deal. <laughs> I've got 30 men. What's the plan? So is the plan to send 10 people this way, 10 people that way, maybe 10 coming from the rear, uh, a really good operation, military operation? No. There's no, you see, for us, we say, okay, God, use me, but I need details. Use me, 
but I need to make sure that one plus one equals two. You see, in God's, in God's world, one plus one never equals two. Because God has got a way of turning things upside down. And if you are sitting waiting for God to carefully plan and point out the future for you, you've got it wrong. It's not just yes. It's yes, God, I will go even if not everything is planned and plotted the way I would want it to, to be. See, there's no battle strategy. All he, all he listens to is when God says, I will be with you, and that's all he needs to know. So whatever you're facing now, whatever God has called you to do, whatever God might be calling you to do, he sends you not in your own strength with your own plans and own priorities, but he sends you in his power. You see, because when the soldiers return home, it was very apparent that God had done a great work on their behalf. You see, if Gideon came back with 30,000 soldiers having defeated the Midianites, he would have come back and gone, what a brilliant general am I. I led 30,000 men to defeat the Midianites. But you see, when those 30 men came back to Israel after they defeated the Midianites, people stood back in awe and said, oh my word, what a mighty God we serve. This was nothing about those 30 men and Gideon. This is all about God. So when his soldiers returned home, it was apparent to everyone that God had done a great work. No one could return from that battle claiming the credit for the victory. Only God's power could have accomplished it. And God wanted to make sure that everyone understood it. And he wants to do the same for you and me. Can I ask you, please, just as a reflective question, when is the last time you stood back from something and said, oh, my word, that could only have been God. And if you have said that, you need to celebrate that because it's a lesson for your life. But if you look back on your life and every single accomplishment and everything that you have done or not done, everything that you have failed or not failed was about your own works, you have not tasted the victory that God has planned for you. But when we can step back and go, <laughs> That could only have been God. Because do we not feel that about our own faith? For those, you and I, who have stepped across the line of faith, isn't it the most amazing thing that we can look back on our lives and our past and our history and have God forgiven us so beautifully and extended such grace and mercy on our lives that you and I, every time when we stepped over the line of faith, we stood there and go, that is only possible because we serve a gracious God and a merciful God that he would accept me as I am and then change me and do a work in me. It's only possible. But God wants that for our lives, that, that, that we step back and say it is only possible because of God. So just like Gideon sent 29,700 men home from battle, we must leave our reserves and backup plans and human strength behind if we are going to experience the miracle working power of God in our lives. When we place all our trust and all our hope in God alone, then we will experience his power in ways that we didn't think was possible. God sees the mighty warrior in you. God sees the mighty warrior in you. Today, please just say yes. Today, please just go out in his power and his strength. Today's the day that God calls you to do great things because of him and through him. Let's pray. Forgive us, God, if we've tried to do things in our own strength. Forgive us, O oh God, if we thought that the battle was ours, but in fact the battle is yours. 
Forgive us, O oh God, when we have felt that we are not enough. Forgive us, God, when we've listened to the world and we've allowed the world to determine our value. Today, Lord God, we covenant with you as we prepare to break bread together in response to your covenant to us that we will only allow you to determine our value. So allow God to speak into your life today, you great and mighty warrior. Amen. Thank you.